And that's all the clicking we need for now. And then we can get right into this. And holy cow, a whole lot of crazy news right off the top of the stack. Uh, is Monica in the room? Because Monica tweeted a humdinger diddly tweet of a wow, holy cow tweet to start us off before. Because the room will double. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yes. Humdinger. Any other, any other uh, <laughs> exclamations on that one? It's a who doodly uh, tweet. Who doodly. <laughs> yes, this was a wild one. Uh, I just tweeted it, I think, from the Tech News Twitter account. And this one, hold on to your pants and your seat and your chair and whatever's around you. Just go ahead and grab anything sturdy or that might be around you because this one is crazy. Um, let's see. I'm checking the Twitter account now. Tech News Twitter account. Uh, yes, two tweets ago, Monica Jasuja, who joins us each day. Hopefully she'll be coming in soon. She found an article that's from uh, a, a publication called Inc. 42, INC 42, and the headline reads, again, hold on to your chair, folks. After cracking down on social media accounts, Twitter and Facebook, the Indian government is reportedly surveilling the popular social audio app called Club Club House. Clubhouse, yes. something, yes. there's an app, there's an app called Clubhouse, <laughs> and apparently the Indians are uh, surveilling Clubhouse, and let's read this article, and again, feel free to hold on to anything stable or solid in your vicinity, and uh, you might want to sit down for this one. Government's intelligence agencies are snooping on Clubhouse conversations, report. Several top security and intelligence agencies of the Indian government have been reportedly snooping into Clubhouse. Where's Akil? Akil, are you in on this? Agent Akil, are you in the room? <laughs> he was the, he was the uh, Agent Akil is not here today. <laughs> yes. Agent Akil has taken the day off while this yes. headline is being shared. Where are our Chinese agent? We haven't seen him in quite a while now. <laughs> Clubhouse, rec- that's a great point, by the way. Um, Clubhouse records audio conversations and captions of conversations and can be asked to share such information with government agencies under legal demand. The social audio app recently expanded its app on the Android platform and witnessed an explosion in user base in India and other countries after cracking down on social media accounts, Twitter and Facebook, the Indian government reportedly surveilling popular social audio app Club How Clubhouse Clubhouse. It's called Clubhouse. It's, a, <laughs> it's an app called Clubhouse. And is, is Raga from India? No, right? <clears throat> I just Monica, you want to come forth with this one? Where's Monica? No, Monica is not here. Is Raga? Is it Raga? No, no, she she could be. She's just you know hiding and surveilling, as the article says. So Monica, if you yeah, I am from India. India. Yeah. Uh Are you based in India now? Yeah, I am currently in India. Yeah. And which we're not short of Indians here. Yeah, and and (laughs) here we go. No, he's the only one. He's the only one on stage now. Oh no, we have three dead jaw. Uh huh. And Raga, which government agency are you with? (laughs) Unfortunately, I am not. With the government over here, at least. I'm a U.S. citizen, so, yeah. Ah, okay. So, um, it's, so the article continues, quoting unnamed... That's what we call sources. a flex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have Hideja. You're also here now. Uh-huh. Okay. Are you in India now? 
What, what uh, you, no, the, the, the guys, just speak up if you need to. It's fine. It's like, yeah. let's not put on. <laughs> All right, let's go. So quoting unnamed yeah. sources, the report pointed out that multiple central government agencies, including the Intelligence Bureau, Research and Analyst Wing, National Investigation Agency, Enforcement Directorate, Directorate of Revenue Intelligence, Central Bureau of Investigation, Narcotics Control Bureaus involved, and the Central Board of Direct Taxes have all been actively tracking public conversations on Clubhouse. It's everything but the goddamn pet pet agency. The dog and cat agency is not involved, apparently, but uh, it seems like everything <laughs> else is. Sources also told, maybe we could get the trash pickup agency in here as well. Sources also told the Hindu that Clubhouse does, in fact, record audio conversations and captions of some conversations. Such information can also be passed on to the government. The report added that top security and intelligence agencies have been empowered under two different sections of the law, which allows monitoring and surveillance of public conversations and posts on social media. These include blah, blah, blah. Clubhouse's own privacy policy states that it may share personal information of users with law enforcement, Cheryl. So, um, yeah, uh, protecting uh, and other private parties to protect blah, blah, blah. So you can read this. Oh, here's a, here's a quote from Paul Davidson. India is obviously not a single community, but many communities all across India. And it is one of our top markets now as a whole. Clubhouse co-founder Paul Davidson highlighted during a virtual press meet on June 3rd. And the article continues uh, uh, on and on. But the essence of the article is that uh, about, Jesus, 10 different agencies from India and all of their intelligence agencies are in and monitoring Clubhouse. Uh, no doubt the, the, the multitude of Indian rooms, because by the way, if you have the data tracking apps like Club, clubhub.site, where they track the top rooms each day. About half of them now are Indian rooms, and they're, some of the largest rooms are now Indian rooms. And they are, a lot, many oftentimes are having very political discussions. Are they not, Raghav? Yeah, very. Um, like I, I feel like because like tensions have been pretty high in India specifically for the past couple of months. It's been like Clubhouse, especially because it's exploded in India right now. It's been a great place for people to like really like voice their discomfort with the government specifically. Right. Yep. So, by that's I, a cool, I, that's a great. I point. just checked, Tyler. Hmm? Monica has been offline for eleven hours. Oh boy, oh boy. Monica, let's ping Monica. Let's let's just make sure. <laughs> Is there? Okay. Where's your hair start falling out? Hour eighteen. Yeah. yeah, no, within a few minutes. Within if it doesn't take long. So. And I think <clears> Monica <throat> has the highest following, by the way. Yeah, but let's ping. But, but, let's go ahead. Go ahead, Florian. But Tyler, just from a just from a surveillance point of view, of course, yeah. Clubhouse is very different to many other social media platforms. Again, here because here you would have they would have to chase individual people who have said something in a room. It is not a company. You don't have any public statements of companies. You have individual people talking about their own opinion. Right. And it's the company itself, of course, Clubhouse doesn't state anything. It's just a platform where you can basically exchange. Yep. So um, I think that's that's a it's a heavy task here to chase uh, millions of people when they have said something at a room at a certain moment. So um, it's, it's interesting to see what you know, you know which way the gov a government would want to go 
to basically influence uh, Clubhouse on yes, but you know, how, avoiding room for But like down. Florian, you'd be surprised at like what the Indian government is capable of doing when they want to chase down someone who said something against the government. It's pretty like they're pretty petty when it comes to this sort of stuff. Is and it's Chinese. Yeah, well, how how different is that from Twitter? The point that you're making, I mean, it, it's, it's it's actually very different. Yeah. Um, because I was just reading this article from Hindu and Clubhouse has it states that Clubhouse has stated that it would share all personal information with law enforcement, and there have been so many cases in India where people were just peacefully marching in protests and they were arrested because they were present in the vicinity during that time and they were recognized um, through a different pictures taken and just they can go to any extent I would say and I I don't want to be hauled back into India when I say this so I hope this is not being recorded but, but the, now, now here's the weird let's hold on for one second here India has freedom of speech let's start there right Yes. Right. Nice joke. So, huh? <laughs> That's a good. So it's, sorry. Okay. That was, so that was sarcastic. I mean, um, legally, no, I mean, in, in the, in, I mean, just just for the non-Indians, and most of the room is non-Indian. Is it in the Constitution that there is freedom of speech? It is. So yeah. Article okay. yeah. Nineteen of the Constitution of India guarantees freedom of speech and expression. Okay. However, so however, what? there are exceptions. Okay. Like what? And loads and loads of exceptions. Uh-huh. So um, they can actually curtail certain rights if they believe that uh, they're infringing um, the country in any manner. I can actually pull out the list. It's been a while since okay. I've touched these. Well, right. I, we, yeah, just, constitutional law. We, we, don't need but, every, we don't need the absolute essence of the details. Let me, let me give you an example for Thailand. In Thailand, Essentially, we have freedom of speech with very one incredibly huge exception, which is don't say anything, and I mean Against anything, the about the king or you will spend the rest of your life in jail. It's that simple. So uh, it's Chris, the end of discussion. Uh, what's next? So in India, you have freedom of speech, except what? Um, I, I think it goes like it, it's pretty deep in that regard. Like, I, I guess I don't know how, to, how best to address this question, but like, I think the best way to put it would be anything that offends anyone in power could be like used to basically put you in jail. Cause like, um, I, I mean, so one of the biggest creators on clubhouse from India right now is this guy called Tanmay Bhatt, right? Uh, he's a comedian. So they actually like, uh, had this roast a couple of years ago and, uh, every member of that comedy collective who hosted the roast basically had like an FIR, uh, put against them. And, um, so like, I think it's like, it's, it, it basically borders and like I think the reason that happened was also because like uh, they said some stuff about like a lot of politicians and like film stars and like national icons and that offended a lot of people. So like if it offends a lot of people or like people in power, it it that's pretty much enough. OK, so you can. Offend so one that's... Wait, hold on. So you can say you can offend one person. Right. I can say, Raghav, you're a dumbass. And then that, nothing's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen then. But yeah. Right. And what if that person is a, a person, a, gov a, a politician? I can say, hey, you politician, you're a dumbass. But if it's one uh, person, it's okay. 
yeah uh it depends on what kind of politician it is but okay, like now usually, i'm now like, i'm starting now i'm starting to see the problem there's a lot of what ifs and it's very un- nebulous yeah. okay now that's where you're going to get in trouble and um that's unfortunate so <laughs> looks like looks like clubhouse might be in very deep shit, and that's why i'm going through this process to figure out exactly what the indian politicians are going to be thinking when they're analyzing whether or not they are in violation and of course, based on what you're telling me, oh, Clubhouse is t- utterly screwed based on your interpretation of what's legal and what's not. Yeah. So the oh, worst shit. case scenario. <laughs> so the worst case scenario is they just ban Clubhouse, right? So that's the worst case scenario. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But, in, but but in in a way, if you look at this the, the trend, it's not just an Indian trend. You know, you have populist governance com- coming up. They take power. They slowly move the country like in probably you know uh many others you could cite it towards a totalitarian system where the government is surveying you specifically online and then it's cutting you know the freedom what you do i mean you could even say that under trump similar things happened any company would say anything against him basically he would start to attack them even financially publicly and, and chase them so in the same sense that's what we can see here now my question is rather because this is not about companies having a pub- public opinion uh, here on Clubhouse. It is individual people. In Twitter, you, you have public or you have yeah. companies which have accounts and have an opinion. Oh. But Florian, we, you know? we just discussed, we just spoke to people on the ground and we realized that it doesn't matter if it's in, individuals can be taken. The, the government is of the position that this app is being used to enable conversations that are in the gray area of illegality, not so different from Twitter, and uh, hence uh, the government can, it wouldn't be out of character for the government to shut down Clubhouse. Again, so here's where I disagree a bit. Um, With Twitter as well, the Supreme Court had to come out and say that your public has a right to express their opinion. You cannot ask them to take down tweets or take any action because you don't like a tweet, Right. So it's very similar to that. So on the face of it, oh. on paper, we so they, have okay. freedom of speech. But it's the government who doesn't like this freedom of speech because they believe that what their ideology is, is what should be followed by everyone. Okay. Does that so, make it simple? Yes, but now the room has doubled in size. So welcome, everybody, to Tech News Around the World, the top headline of the day. We're on, still on the, top, the first article because we only started 15 minutes ago is the fact that it is now being reported uh, that India has all of their intelligence agencies and some of their non-intelligence agencies, like the tax agency and the, my God, all kinds of, uh, a whole dozen of agencies are in Clubhouse, monitoring Clubhouse, surveilling Clubhouse um, with uh, the eye of wondering if they should, uh, what they should do about Clubhouse in India. Uh, similar to what they're doing with Twitter and Facebook and WhatsApp. And uh, the current government is very sensitive to critical comments. And at this point about Twitter, where currently they are telling Twitter, you must remove these tweets or else. And and actually, they even uh, there was a, 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 a memo that was sent where the wording was very um severe consequences something because it's not they've never said we're actually going to ban you they just say you have to remove these tweets or else and then there was a separate memo that said twitter must comply or there will be very severe consequences so you can connect those two dots together 
I, I, uh, interpret severe consequences however you like. But uh, the point is they're not necessarily banning Twitter. They are just going to, um, they're asking Twitter to remove tweets or, but in the case of Clubhouse, you cannot ask Clubhouse to remove conversations, but you could ask Clubhouse to ban users. So they, that, could, that could be the first step. The first step would be, hey, Clubhouse, we're just going to ask that you remove that comedian who's saying things we don't like. And uh, this Rhodesia lady, she seems crazy. Let's get her out of here. And whoever, whoever else they don't like, they are going to start there. And hopefully that will solve it. And if it doesn't, then the app itself could come under a little more pressure, right? That seems like the more logical step process forward. So, so there would be another button, basically. You know, now you can report someone or throw throw someone off the stage if it disturbs. And then here you would have a government agency saying we flag this person for, you know, going against us. Yeah, no, I mean, what would happen oh. is what what the, what people do with YouTube, which is they just flag it. At the government will make a list of everything they, of the people they find offensive and tell Clubhouse, you must remove these accounts from your app because it violates our, you know. Uh, okay, wait. Uh, Clubhouse right? is not in India yet, right? As in, there's it no is. office in India. So in oh, office you mean in as, India? A, as an office? Yeah, they have no, no. entity in, in India, so they can't do anything to Clubhouse. Yeah, they can they only can. block Clubhouse. That's all they can do. Correct. They could shut off Clubhouse in India, right? <laughs> There's still Fireside. <laughs> Yeah, they're not going to close Clubhouse. They're just saying, you know, Big Brother's watching you. They're not going to close Clubhouse. Yeah. The the logical first step is they're going to, if they find offensive people, because it's not tweets, you can't remove conversations in Clubhouse. If they find offensive people, they're going to ask Clubhouse to ban those people. And if Clubhouse doesn't comply, but of course, I almost, I'm almost certain that they will in that case, because then they risk being shut out of India if they don't. Yeah, they'll put them under pressure. And uh, the other thing I just want to say uh, to to uh, the, the points that Ritija and Raghav are saying, it, it, in India, business and especially the current government, business and government are very closely linked, right? So pr a price can be paid in many different ways, right? It's more subtle. It's not just, uh, you know, if you, and it's the same as China, you lose Guanxi, right? When you when you screw up with the government over a period of time, immediately they don't, they might not put you in jail. But here's the thing. If you're a business person and you support some of these political rooms, I've, I've noticed I've been to a number of these political rooms and, and I've been emailing a couple of very uh, high level business people that are on Clubhouse. They don't go on stage. I ask them, like, why, why aren't you going on stage with a point of view on this? And they say, no, I'm not going on stage here because repercussions won't come immediately, but they'll come in terms of, you know, Mukesh Ambani won't do business with you. How did that suddenly happen? My contract just got went. I'm in the telecoms business. My contract just went. Right. Um, and so those kind of things start happening. And that happens in a lot of these countries where there's a sort of state capitalism, where you've got the country, the, the business and the government are very, very closely linked. That happens in the U U.S. I don't want to go into an abatism discussion here. Of course, of course, there's influence between business and but it's more transparent. And there's, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of openly uh, collaborative, if you like. So Renjit, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but probably. An easier step for government would be to basically tell, for example, um, Clubhouse, okay, whenever there's a room which has a critical title against the government, you know, so basically that room just shuttle ban it, you know, so we don't people, you know, they don't have the visibility and you're not having, you know, 5,000 people getting heated here 
on a discussion, but it's a small thing. So it's not could be also in a very subtle way that you would not ne recognize it necessarily. Only that you create a room and you would have a very few people knowing about it. Yeah. Oh, you could have closed rooms, of course. Yeah. But I, I, it's clear to me now what's going to happen is they're here. They're listening. They're making notes of people who are saying things they don't like. And they're going to pass that list off to the clubhouse and say, ban these people. And clubhouse has banned lots of people already all the time. And then what they normally do is a seven day suspension. And I've had friends who have had seven day suspensions. In fact, I, my buddy Jason had a seven day suspension or the five day suspension. And I imagine clubhouse will recommend that. They'll say, oh, okay, how about this? How about we give them a five-day suspension? And the government might say, okay, yeah, that'll send them a nice little warning and maybe they'll do that or it might be a, more of a ban. But there's definitely baby steps between where we are today and a complete shutdown. So there's a lot of uh, 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 room for negotiation on the table, yeah? Um, but, it's a huge, but it's a huge impact on individual rights of freedom of speech because it's not like Twitter where you go against the company and you basically say, take that off. Yeah, but Florian, then, that, then no. uh, the, the, this, in America, they would say, no, no, this is how, we're not impending your freedom of speech. It's called freedom of reach. This is an app. You're welcome to walk around India saying whatever the hell you want. You're just not able to say it on this app where we don't have to give you, we don't have to allow you on this app. There's no right to be on Clubhouse in India. Very good point, yeah. <laughs> that's freedom the of reach. Freedom freedom of reach, reach. Yeah. yeah, but that's what we're calling it in America. And that's why Donald Trump, even as president, didn't have the right to be on Facebook or Twitter. He didn't have freedom of reach, we're calling it now in the tech in the tech biz. He has freedom of speech. He, he can say whatever the well he wants, but the app doesn't. There's no. He doesn't have a right to be on Twitter or on Facebook, and that's called freedom of reach. And then, of course, the government in the U.S., but other democracies like India, this is where it's going to get really complicated in the weeks and months and, and years to come, especially during elections, is do political candidates have freedom of reach because political candidates are supposed to be treated equally and given equal airtime, as it's called, in traditional media in the days of television and radio. The radios and TVs were, you know, uh, had to be very careful about how many minutes of airtime they gave to and newspapers as well. So as social media as an extension of those things, then it gets very interesting. Anyway, so I think we figured it out. So it turns out uh, there's a lot of the Indian government is uh, understandably very concerned about what's being said on this platform. And by the way, not just the Indian government. I would, by no means are we, in this case, singling out. It just it started as a headline today that Monica from India shared that the government is here when a lot of agencies are here and they're monitoring. And I can assure you they are not the only one. Um, very notably, uh, you can you better bet everything you have that the Russian intelligence agencies are up in here listening to these huge Russian rooms because those are also some of the largest rooms in Clubhouse. And I'm sure they're listening with intense fascination because Clubhouse is a place where uh, people from those countries can get together and speak essentially freely. Um, Without, you know, um, and I imagine the Indians are doing precisely this. Are they not, Raghav, in some of their, those incredibly large rooms? Yeah, no, because it's a very conversational stuff, right? Like, it's very easy for people to say what they're actually feeling. It's less, uh, like, calculated than, like, let's say, text messages, which could be, like, a little right. less, you know, uh, they could be, like, slightly toned down right. from, like, what they actually feel. So, yeah. Yeah, same thing's happening with Thailand, by the way, because Thailand is going, has an interesting... Uh, political environment at the moment and there's a large students and notably are want to see change 
and they are creating some of the largest rooms in Clubhouse and have been ever since they opened, a, you know, a month or two ago. Uh, and now you're seeing the same in India and you're going to see it's going to get really interesting in these more border cases like Turkey and, you know, some Middle Eastern countries, you know, where it's good. And um, it's going to I wouldn't put it past the uh, the Maz AI uh, hacker guys watching those who are watching. Uh, watching yeah. those who are watching. So well, Tyler I'll, is. Uh, I got to get my. Is Taksin still speaking? Is Taksin still still speaking on Clubhouse? Taksin, I have not heard yeah. if he is or not yet. Mm, and he was on no the people. Yeah, no doubt Thailand would tell Clubhouse not to have Taksin in Clubhouse. And but um, yeah, that's that. For those who don't know, that's really interesting and to highlight all of this political stuff. Thailand is my favorite example that I'm aware of. I'm sure there are others where. Thailand had a, a democratically elected prime minister named Taksin, who was uh, removed due to a coup, a military coup. And he, Taksin went to the UN General Assembly in New York City at the UN headquarters, as every all the prime ministers do every September. And while he was there, the army rolled the tanks around his, uh, you know, all the the prime minister residence and said, uh, no need to come back, sir. <laughs> your your residence is surrounded by the military. Uh, so you, you can go ahead and stay in New York as long as you like. And then that started the military being in power here. And then there was, um, anyway, so Taxon's been removed. And then there was a new election. And in that election, Taxon's sister won the election, which kind of did help prove the point that there is a bit of uh, nepotism and corruption going on. And so then the sister was removed and in a second coup. And so now Taxon's been outside of Thailand for quite a while. And then Clubhouse starts up. And a lot of the folks who don't like the current military government are in Clubhouse, you know, strategizing about uh, organizing very large protests in Bangkok and, you know, tens of thousands of people. And that's why the Thai rooms were so incredibly popular in Clubhouse. And they were the largest rooms in Clubhouse, actually. And I only know that because I'm in Thailand and I can read a bit of Thai and I see the Thai rooms and they're massive. They have 8,000 capacity all the time. And then I realized, actually, <laughs> it was reported to, in Thailand here that Taxon himself, who's been in quote unquote, you know, um, exile, uh, had joined these Thai rooms and was speaking to his, you know, fans for lack of a better word and uh, that's where it got super interesting and that's when all of a sudden the t all of the Thai ministers started coming in and we even had the like the education minister started coming into tech news around the world and even jumping on stage and asking for help hey is any are there any ed tech companies in here that might want to come into <laughs> Thailand I was like that's awesome how fantastic is this he came in here because he heard tax and the recruitment pipeline this is the yeah. recruitment pipeline I loved it and he's a really lovely guy by the way and he was like, uh, we could use help with connectivity and Wi-Fi and ed tech. And you, know, and you guys are geeks and let's talk. I was like, very, I was very moved by send that. Him, send him to, to the Digital Inclusion Club right For sure. Uh, right For uh, sure. Just to do the little promo. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, hey, that, just, just, on, yeah. just quickly on that, like if yeah. there are people out there in the, in the audience and they're looking for new roles and stuff, like I, I won't make anything out of it, but like I, I am getting a lot of, people like um a lot of connections in the other ai maths cyber rooms that are basically looking for really good talent so um this may be a risk but yeah you can you can uh you can dm me all right 
Yep. Uh, and then Renjith, uh, my buddy from Stockholm, who's obviously originally from India. You wanted to comment on some, on what's going on? Yeah. Uh, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I have been in Clubhouse from February, and uh, this span, I was expecting this uh, news much, much early, uh, not because people were talking against government or the state governments in India, because people were talking about government right from the day I joined. It was there were multiple rooms every day and the same group of people were conducting different rooms with, you know, uh, uh, rooms like, you know, is Modi a genocide creator or those kind of, you know, captions. So those were running, people were reporting those rooms in Twitter and other places. So they, those were there from, I think, two, three months ago. But I personally feel that this is much beyond that. After the India has been open for clubhouse, uh, because I think a few days back I reported that in the place from where I come from, uh, south of India, where there are uh, hardly three times the population of Sweden, uh, clubhouse rooms were running like 24 hours. Uh, I actually slept yesterday around 2.30 in the morning because of one room where a lot of heated discussion were going on where a celebrity is being abused by a group of people for last uh, 48 hours plus in multiple rooms. Uh, so the, and so these kind of things are happening. So it is much beyond the government, actually. And there are screen recordings of everything, all these. People were recording the audio and posting it in Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. So this is much beyond the government. There are drugs sold uh, through clubhouse rooms. Um, there is so-called dating happening through uh, clubhouse rooms, which the intention is much beyond that. So there are much better things happening or much bigger things happening through clubhouse. So and another thing is that it's pretty easy to, you know, um, organize a riot through clubhouse. It's very, very easy. And that has happened in uh, my place in uh, my state uh, last week. Uh, so like government is seeing those. Thank you. Thank you, Ranjit. That's a great point, which is, and that's why governments are so concerned, to be honest, which just as Twitter had what they call the Arab Spring and people were using Twitter as a communication tool. Well, it's, it's, Twitter is nothing compared to Clubhouse and its ability to organize people uh, because of the immediacy and the group, uh, the ability to really communicate effectively in a group, which is not easy to do in Twitter. And so you can understand why governments who are worried about, you know, um protests or any any anybody who's worried about protests would naturally be worried about any app that allows people to organize in such an efficient way for good or bad and and that's uh that really is the beauty of clubhouses it allows people to organize for good and I, i'm very optimistic that net net um that's Tyler. what it will lead to yeah yeah that i just wanted to highlight that um the same is happening with colombia the, with the social unrest and yesterday there was someone um in a room talking about how a lot of people that have been blocked in Colombia, that have been blocked from Facebook and from Twitter, are using Clubhouse to, to, to mobilize people for, yeah. for protests. And they, what, what she was talking about specifically was that the government hasn't picked up on it yet, and she was wondering when that was going to happen. And something that she suggested was uh, how much she loves this room and how much you really do cover news from all over the world. And she was talking about this as a, a this room as a, and, and your tech news around the world as, a, as an example of unity and, uh, and diversity yeah. of news from all over. So there you go. 
A hundred percent. I mean, I, today just happens to be this headline from India that the intelligence agencies are there. And I think the, the fair thing to state is in the little exploration we're doing is it's safe to assume that intelligence agencies from every country are up in these rooms, you know, especially the countries that are concerned about what people are saying. And, and if they are concerned that people might form protests, even the, America is going to be very concerned if there's far right or far left groups, you know, using apps, not just Clubhouse, any app for protests. And so this is just the digital social media effect and hygiene that governments are doing in 2021, Dave. It's good. And Tyler. Sorry, go on, Alice. Go on. No, Tyler, I have some breaking news, but it's not a story yet. It's an experience. And full disclaimer for India, because one of my partners is India. I was in an AI room, AI for the future, with some DOD people in. Um, This was earlier, Clubhouse, okay, in the U.S. And this has been happening a lot, which is, I didn't know. Um, There was a troll. He had an Indian accent, or he appeared to, okay, could have been masked. And no one could find him, and he wasn't on stage. And this is the third time this has happened on Clubhouse. I didn't even know this. And he was just saying, shut up, get off the stage. He could disrupt the entire conversation from the speakers. We have to close the room down. And that room, I think, had about 800 people on average. Um, and there were several physicists and scientists in the room and and um, some people I know from UC San Diego and so forth. But you had some top people in that room that were talking about AI and what the future meant. And he just kept saying, you know, shut up, get off. You know, anytime anyone spoke. Um, and finally, they just had to close down the room and figure out. But Anton uh, Alexander, he, he works in AI. He was saying that this is a protocol in Clubhouse that's a ghost. So it wasn't one of the speakers, but somehow he's ghosting the operation. So maybe that'll be written about soon. But it was intriguing I, um, to me. Go I ahead. have a little bit of insight on this. Um, oh, I thanks, grew, Chris. I grew up essentially in the MedTech 24 lobby here. And uh, so I spent a lot of time and there's a lot of quote unquote open um, mics. And essentially this is all running on uh, a protocol or similar to something called SIP. So if you've ever noticed, anytime you log in, you just get a a four digit code to log in. That's the only security layer essentially. So these guys get on stage and they work on cracking everybody's code in hopes that each time they grab Tyler's code, each time they grab JT's, they're building um, a map to get the master code for the room. Once the master code's been had, they control the room. So what'll happen is you'll sometimes get people on stage that never say a word. And we'd, we'd get that in the 24 hour rooms and people would be there for hours at a time. And we thought they were essentially uh, brute forcing the, um, the master key. And at some point we'd lose the room and have to restart it. So I think that's what's going on. Thanks, wow. Chris. And I, that's wow, because Brian Keating was trying to figure it out. He was on stage as well, the physicist, but we were talking together. And that's just crazy how things could be derailed. But thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, for, for us, it was a lot of um, anytime there were Iranian people in the room for us in the 24 hour rooms, we would notice the uh, the bombardment of that type of activity would come in. You would have one or two people with like nothing in their profile raise their hands, come on stage, they don't say anything, and then all of a sudden you get this wave of people and then you lose the room. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was also in that Anton room. I think I, I couldn't command Anton. Because remember, every time you come on stage, you actually have a valid key to speak. Hmm. And so like, as they add friends on stage, they get more and more valid keys, 
with the hope to get the master key for the room. And once they have it, the ghost, the ghost or whatever can happen. Chris, can I ask, a, Chris, can I ask, do those, uh, or did you find those people had genuine bios so you can actually identify them outside of uh, Clubhouse? They had some kind of, you could go to LinkedIn or, the, yeah, or you can yeah, search I them mean, on Google. You could, they said they're legit people. Yeah, there. that's the that's the one unique layer about Clubhouse is that, you know, you do actually authenticate with Instagram in order to link that to your profile via the clickable link. Right. So like in order to get that clickable link, you're actually validating. Both but if Twitter they could have a no, they could, they could make up an Instagram account. I mean, there, there are several people. Yeah, that of course. You yeah, cannot yeah. find beyond. It's, it's uh, just there's no name. It's, it's like it's yeah, just a it's pseudo it's really name. The, it's really this calculation of how much time they're willing to invest in a fake account. You know, like it takes a few minutes. So like if you're dealing with a person that is targeting a individual, sure, they're going to take the time to do that to get around your. But if these guys are just uh, amateurs or trolls, they don't really care. So they're going to create a ton of accounts. They don't even have profiles or pictures. Um, and, you know, when we were in the med tech rooms, we're very welcoming. It's a lobby. So we just let anybody on stage and they use that as an early kind of uh I don't know, beta testing or proving ground. So, no, it's okay. cool, cool insight. And I, I wanted to just go back to Tyler. I thought you mm -hmm. balanced that really well because I was, my mindset was purely in like 1984, Big Brother watching us, like from a government perspective. But I really like the way you pulled out the kind of, you know, there, there's two sides to it, i.e., one is more protection for, for the good of the people as well as the kind of, you know, the kind of spooks watching. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Well, here speaking uh, on the American side of this, a headline is breaking right now, and it's actually the second largest story in all of the tech uh, journalism sphere at the moment. We're being reported by the New York Times, CNN, Gizmodo, CNET, uh, The Verge, etc. And all over the Twitter sphere is that uh, the Department of Justice under Donald Trump forced Apple to reveal data from two, Cong two Congress people, uh, both Democrats, as part of Trump's leaker crusade. And I just tweeted this from the Tech News Twitter account at TNATW, which is the first letters of tech news around the world. And you can read this article for yourself, but there's a lot of other publications putting out this story because it's such a big story. It recently came to light uh, well, apparently it says Trump reportedly targeted the House Intelligence Committee as well as media outlets. It recently came to light that Trump era Department of Justice quietly seized phone records of journalists at the Washington Post, CNN, the New York Times to suss out their sources as part of the Trump administration's rabid crackdown on leakers. It, it apparently apparently the witch hunt didn't stop there in 2017 and 18. A grand jury compelled Apple to fork over metadata from the accounts of at least two Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee. Those are very high-ranking um, people in Congress, according to the New York Times. So it's very likely true. The subpoena also covered records from at least a dozen people connected to the committee members, including aides, family members, and one minor. Records of Representatives Adam Schiff in California, in Los Angeles, actually, in Pasadena who Adam Schiff was probably the most anti-Trump person um, on, the, on the Democrats. And Adam was really leading um, sort of the anti-Trump sentiment uh, from, from the Democrat side. <clears throat> uh, so records of Adam Schiff, committee chairman and frequent target of Trump's playground insults were among those seized, sources familiar with the matter told the New York Times. Apple provided the agency, the Department of Justice, 
with metadata and account information, but did not share photos, emails, or other content, a person familiar with the inquiry told the Times. That, that that's hardly a comfort given the well-demonstrated fact that you can still learn a shit ton, and that's it. The, the journalist literally wrote the words, you can still learn a shit ton about a person from their metadata, where they are, what they're up to, especially when combined with publicly available info, such as their social media posts. And that is correct. That journalist is correct. That has been demonstrated many times that if you have if you add metadata to other known facts that you can uh, learn pretty much everything you know so the fact that apple did reveal metadata about um incredibly the, the chairman of the intel the house intelligence committee uh this is a huge uh, no wonder it's being reported everywhere that uh trump was forced apple to reveal metadata about his main political opponent um, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, is wow. This is this is big news, and the, the New York Times is really the one that is reporting this, and all the other journalists are kind of uh, amplifying it, apparently. So, uh, I guess I would encourage you to read the New York Times version. But here's the here's more uh, of the essence of what's happening here. Um, prosecutors found no evidence uh, well, over the years of measures. In the wake of the report that just came out, Adam Schiff called for the inspector general to investigate Trump's weaponization of law enforcement and what he denounced as terrible abuse of power. And here's a quote. It also makes the Department of Justice just a fully owned subsidiary of the president's personal legal interests and political interests, he told Rachel Maddow yesterday. Uh, the Department of Justice promised to stop secretly obtaining the records of journalists on Saturday. After coming under fire from media outlets, lawmakers, and President Joe Biden, who condemned the practice as simply, simply wrong in response to the agency's latest disclosures. And indeed, it's very concerning because a president using the Department of Justice, which was uh, remind who Trump's appointed uh, person at the Department of Justice was, the guy with the... Sessions. Uh, yeah, but then after Sessions, there was the other guy. Bill Barr. Bill Barr, thank you. Um, Bill Barr was basically just taking marching orders directly from Trump, which is that is breaks the whole balance of power in the U.S. between the judicial and the executive branches. Those are supposed to work uh, autonomously, independently, and essentially Bill Barr was doing whatever Trump wanted, which means the executive branch was controlling the judicial branch, and that's where you can get incredible abuses of power, which uh, Trump, uh, which Adam Schiff said himself and which Joe Biden agreed this should just simply is just simply wrong that should never happen and that's why we need to be very careful of the president's ability to put whoever somebody in charge of the department of justice as did because then that person might become overly loyal to the person who put them in charge of the department of justice and that's why the department of justice was willing to go after Trump's political opponents and journalists and that's where it gets very concerning because the journalists are sort of the fourth um, balance of power. And if the Department of Justice is able to go after journalists and get data on journalists and then and get to their sources, because the sources need to remain anonymous. And that is a critical part of a functioning democracy, is journalists being able to report um, from people who are able to retain, maintain anonymous uh, anonymity. And if the Department of Justice is going after uh, the technical providers app reveal the emails of the sources of the journalists. Now they're going to go after 
the whistleblowers directly and go after the sources of the journalists directly. And then then you don't have whistleblowers anymore. And then you don't have people speaking truth to power anymore. And then you don't have, next thing you know, you don't have a democracy anymore. And that's how uh, you can see how serious that whole issue is if you if you really start connecting the dots, uh, as Tyler, we should. Yes. The other piece to that is that um, Vice President Kamala Harris, when she was Senator Harris, pushed um, 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 Bill Barr kind of, you know, in a, in a congressional hearing in asking whether he had been asked or directed by anyone in the White House to investigate yep. or to track anyone. And he danced and around I, it. I, oh, you got to watch that video. Lakeisha, you're exactly a thousand percent correct. And he kept saying, uh, what, what do you mean by is? What do you mean and by was? she was so on point. I mean, she yeah. used several different yes. synonyms. Let me for ask is. you again. Let me ask you like you're five years old. Did you at any time touch your nose? Well, what do you mean touch? What do you mean nose? What's a nose? What do, by touch, do you mean with my hand? Uh, it, it was just an absurd comedy because uh, he was caught because he could because he's under oath and he can't. If he lies in that situation, then he's committed a, a, a perjury, essentially. And he can put his ass ill if he uh, lies in that instance. So he all he could do was say, um, what do you mean by was? What do you mean by is? Uh, let's deflect this. for How much time is left in this hearing? 30 minutes? Let's see if I can ramble for 30 minutes until the session is over. And she knew what he was doing. And everyone knew who, who's really on the inside of what's happening in, in the government in the U.S. knew, oh, he's caught now. He's under oath. She's got the gun to his head. Let's see what he does. And he just tried to run out the clock, basically. It was wild. You're exactly right, Lakeisha. That was a really interesting moment of American political history for those who were up to speed on what actually was happening in that moment. Thank you for reminding us. Um, I should, if somebody can find that moment, uh, that video, um, I'll retweet that as well. Just, just so folks can get up to speed on how American politics works. That was an amazing moment. Um, thank you for the reminder. And so that I highlight this to show that tech and how governments can pressure tech, and in this case, the American government, Donald Trump, using the Department of Justice, who he, Bill Barr, who he put in power, and Bill Barr putting pressure on Apple, not Clubhouse, Apple, who had, goes to incredible lengths and pains to architect itself so that it can't reveal the photos that if the government should ever come knocking. And asking for this information, Apple wants to be able to say, sorry, Charlie, we don't have it. We intentionally architected ourselves so that we can't give you what you're asking for. And otherwise, Apple would have been utterly screwed. The government would have said, no, no, crack that server open and give us everything we're asking for because this is our country and you're going to do what we say. And here's an example of, you know, we often talk about India telling Twitter what to do or Russia telling Twitter what to do. Here's an example of America telling Apple what to do or else. And Apple knew that day would come and Apple intentionally architected its data structures in a way to say, hey, we have we don't have that data. And that's why in the last Apple event that we just had here two or three days ago, you heard them jump up and down repeatedly saying your data, Apple never, ever, ever has access and could never have access, even if we wanted to, to your health data. You remember them repeating that over and over? And now you know why they're repeating this over and over, because if you are Adam Schiff and you're 
Trump's biggest political opponent, you better believe Trump would have been like, give me his all of his data from his Apple Watch. And Apple's going to be like, sorry, Charlie, we built that system knowing you would come asking for that and, and to break democracy as we know it. And that's why we went to extra lengths knowing that this data we are collecting could potentially someday ruin the American democracy system. And so we built it with that in mind. And that's why we went to such great lengths to intentionally remove ourselves from being able to see, even see that data, even if we wanted to. And thank you for trying to ruin American democracy, that, you know, 200, the longest running democracy on the planet. And we as Apple understood the essence of all of that. And it's wild. That's how wild that is at the end of the day. Woo. I sent the tweet. Yes. Thank you, Lakeisha. I will retweet it right now. And it's, this is homework, political homework for those who, uh, on this issue of government and data and what can governments do at the end of the day. And this plays right into Bitcoin and blockchains, because if the governments are going to come down on this stuff, how do you build systems like Apple did in this case, where unfortunately they did have the metadata and they were forced to give over the metadata on Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Um, ah, Bill Poppy was one step ahead of you. And so was uh, Alex Parsons. I think awesome. spying did occur was the quote. Uh, here's I'm retweeting both of these of William Barr's stumped by Kamala Harris's question <laughs> or pretending to be stumped might be a little more accurate. That's wild. Oh, now I see yours, Lakeisha, as well. This was you got to watch these videos where now Vice President um, Kamala Harris had the depart. Oh, man, you got to watch these and watch Cory Booker sitting next to him, sitting next to Kamala Harris. The, the eyes of these people, they know that this is American history <clears throat> in the making. Just watch the faces of the people as she's questioning him, especially Cory Booker sitting next to her. Holy shit, that is wild. Okay. I wonder what uh, the no. facial recognition stuff would say about it, Tyler. <laughs> alert, alert, alert. Danger, danger. Yes, uh, yes exactly right. So um, since we've been having this wonderful political discussion, um, and it won't be the last time because so much tech is running. He Here's the 50,000 foot view on all this. <clears throat> tech is getting so powerful that it used to be people didn't worry about tech at all because the geeks were just playing around with bulletin board systems where we, we were sharing little chat rooms with each other. And that did get the attention of newspapers eventually. And then tech grew beyond communications into music with MP the MP3 file was created. And then we started sharing those files and that greatly disrupted the music industry in the form of Napster, which my friend Cal here bought, by the way. <laughs> and then uh, the music industry freaked out. Apple fixed the problem by creating the iTunes store. And then Spotify came along and disrupted them. And now we've got Spotify. And But then Hollywood started getting, there was the MP4 file, which allowed for videos. And then YouTube came along and that worried the movie industry in Hollywood. And then tech uh, started getting into figuring out ways to move money around with PayPal. And that got the banks worried. <laughs> and then you've got the banks are being disrupted by the fintechs. And then you've got tech going into all other categories, med tech, fintech, health tech, green tech, and now it's going into gov tech. And now you've, it's disrupting the governments and now the governments are very worried. And that's where shit hits the fan, folks. And that's why we're sharing these videos because it's an instance of where, uh, and crypt, that's why crypto is so incredibly interesting because it's potentially threatening to governments in some sense. Uh, ultimately, and that's why they realize it, some of them, 
And that's why you're seeing so much friction. And with friction, there's smoke and eventually fire. And that's the stage that we are at here in the tech space. And that's why we are focusing on this. And that's why Nigeria is shutting down Twitter. And that's why India's snooping in Clubhouse. And that was the headline that started this whole conversation. And I'm telling you, all the governments are listen, listening to all the social networks, and particularly Clubhouse, because of how efficient and magical it is in letting people, you know, bring their ideas together. And that, for some governments, is, for some cases, that's fantastic because we could, could potentially solve the climate crisis due to Clubhouse. And but for some governments who don't like seeing their citizens congregate and plan and strategize, it can be very potentially worrying. And so it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out and which governments, how they respond to clubhouse, et cetera. So that's, uh, let's put a pause on that for now. No doubt it'll come back up tomorrow. Um, One headline to take, to take forward your um, yeah. kind of history of tech. Yep. Like obviously we're all facing into the future, like um, quantum, right? I put out one that Sky put out where um, Honeywell bought this uh, small, well, I don't know how much they bought it for, but they're putting 200 million into it, but it's quantum. Um, what's it called again? Cambridge quantum. Okay. Right. So, um, I mean, obviously quantum is much talked about, but we haven't got many evidences of the use cases, but I, I suppose I just wanted to put it out there, Tanner, in terms of like, I think it goes along that thread that you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the geeks and chat rooms through yeah. to, you know, Bitcoin and quantum, like, because it's, I think that's going to be the next big, like, turbocharging thing. In tech. Well, more more than you might think, Dave, because here's the, I, what, by the way, that story I just read about the Department of Justice, you know, forcing Apple to share metadata on Adam Schiff, you know, Trump's biggest political uh, opponent. Um, that was the second biggest story in the tech sphere. Uh, the, the biggest story in the tech sphere at the moment is this one. Uh, we now have the newest uh, high-profile ransomware attack. Any any guess who it is? Which industry they are in? Well, it's none other than Electronic Arts, yes. the, big, the huge video game powerhouse, the maker of FIFA 21 and Frostbite and many of the world's largest video games. So hackers steal a wealth of data from the game giant EA, Electronic Arts. Hackers have broken into the gaming giant Electronic Arts and published Tyler, a battle. Let me, let me see if I can. Uh, let me see if I can get the president. One sec. It's going to be a okay. tough one, but let me see if he's awake. Okay. <laughs> you gotta Hack- love this room. Hackers have broken into gaming giant Electronic Arts, the publisher of Battlefield, FIFA, The Sims, and they stole a wealth of game source code and related internal tools. Uh, Here's a quote. You have full capability of exploiting on all EA services, the hackers claimed in various posts on underground hacking forums, uh, which have been confirmed, a source with access to the forums, some of which are locked from you provided to uh, this journalist in screenshots. And um, one more quote here, only serious and uh, only serious members of only serious members, all other would be ignored. The hackers wrote in their post and they're using broken English again, perhaps because they are um, from, they're speaking in Russian and which they're somewhere in that part of the world. And that's a consistent uh, theme of these big um, ransomware hacks is that they are from Eastern Europe, uh, Russian speaking parts of Eastern Europe or Russia itself. It's often been reported. And why is this interesting and how does this relate to the previous story 
is this is the new sort of front of disruption. As we were talking about how tech was disrupting industries like the music industry and Hollywood and the banks and now the medical industry and even the government. And now there's this new counter movement of how tech is being used to attack and hold all kinds of companies for ransom. Uh, and now it's the, the gaming industry is being held for ransom. And now that EA has been attacked, all of their competitors, although these gaming companies are have a friendly competitorship nature with each other, now they're all worried about being attacked actually. And that's one of the other headlines. Um, and that's unfortunate that EA, uh, it says the EA confirmed that it has suffered a data breach after hackers claim they have 780 gigabytes of data, including source code for FIFA 21 and their other uh, big intellectual properties. And that's a very big concern indeed, but uh, no doubt we will continue to hear more about this as that story unfolds. Uh, other, the other biggest headlines in the tech sphere at the moment is that Apple has hired somebody named Ulrich Kranz, who ran the development teams for BMW's i3 and i8. And, and why is that interesting, that Apple would hire such a senior person from BMW's e electronic vehicle division? Well, because, because they're not working on an EV car. But yeah, because clearly <laughs> Apple's not working on their own EV no, car. They're not, not working why, on it. Why would you hire BMW's head of their EV cars, Apple? That's not suspicious at all. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, and a journalist about Tyler. The ago. days of Apple working on a car, the golden days are dead. Much like venture capital. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's good, Chris. <laughs> So what Chris is referring to is a New York Times journalist who is very foolishly is trying to assume that the the gold, you know, the trends, uh, you know, things aren't what they seem. Apple hiring the head of uh, BMW's EVs and and co-founded BMW's self or no, co-founded the self-driving electrical vehicle called Canoe. So it's um, clearly Apple is in the early stages of building a self-driving vehicle. Oh, dude, this is so cool because I live I live in Newbury Park. That's where Design Works is here, and uh -huh. so all the BMWs cars are built and designed up here. And uh, I'm in the manufacturing industry, and one of my buddies is doing a lot of work for Canoe. So mm. all this is starting to make sense now. Sorry, mm. no. So Did I you just say Newbury to... Park, Chris? Yes, ma'am. I graduated from Newbury Park High School. We'll talk offline. All <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, so, have uh, you guys seen the Apple advert yet? Todd, have you seen it? Like the, the TV advert? Maybe not. For the like Apple car? The States? No, no, no. The, the advert for Apple? Like the mainstream consumer? TV. Advert. Yeah, the Dave, TV. It's TV. We, <laughs> what's I mean, TV? We know, which, is, which is why I had to checkpoint it, right? But, but you guys, it, it, it would be cool to Google it because it basically puts into a visual what we talk about in this room in terms of data, you know, I'll not spoil it, but it's a guy and he walks in somewhere and he buys something and the manager from that shop walks out after him. You know, I can spoil it if you want, but it basically puts in a visual state, this whole point about why Apple's marketing on, we don't keep your data buddies. We don't do that. I, I recommend okay. it anyway. Well, send me the article so that I can um, tweet it and share it with everybody. Yeah. But okay. while we are on the EV story. Sorry, sorry yeah. for interrupting, Tyler. Um, yes. I, I tried calling. I, th I think the man's got bigger problems right now. <laughs> yeah, no, so no I've doubt. I've authenticated it to you. 
But let's let next time uh, one of the world's biggest companies has the world's biggest hack. Let's try and get them into the room. <laughs> hey, could you, would you mind? Could just I understand your uh, global powerhouse of a company is going through an existential crisis, but if you could just pop in here for a second. Um, but it's, it was worth. For us, can make her. it happen though. We, yes, we, he's he made has stuff made happen. it happen in the past. He's, he's, so, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah, but that but by the way, that is the future of tech news around the world. In case it's not obvious to everybody yet, that as these rooms, by the way, this room continues to grow every day, every week, and uh, we continue to set record I'm, numbers. I authenticated it to you. It's in your Twitter feed. It's, I know. It's no, there. I know you. And no you bullshit. always do show. I know you. Every time you've shared the receipts in the back end, so we know you're not shitting. So. But the point is, is that due to Faraz, who has brought in incredible people from time to time, and that's part of the fun of this format, is as this room continues to grow and we reach record numbers every week, we're very soon going to get to a point where I will start bringing in very notable speakers, which, by the way, I am later tonight, six hours from now when we meet again. Our friend Justin has arranged to bring in a really interesting data company CEO to help us get, um, uh, do a little interview about his uh, very big data company and add additional important insights that only he has around uh, data and personal data and all of these tech companies and their data and your data. And that is paving the road for um, when we will start bringing in even more high profile executives like my friend Peter, who is the chief product officer of Tesla. And why do I mention that? Well, because one of the other biggest news is in tech is the fact that Tesla just announced, just did a, a big live stream showcase event with Elon Musk showing off Tesla's fastest car yet called the Model S Plaid. The vehicle can reach 60 miles per hour in less than two seconds. And in case you don't understand just how fast that is, normally you would need to pay millions and millions and millions of dollars to get a car that goes that fast. And yet this car does it for a, an absolute fraction of the, of the cost <clears throat> for a hundred for about just over $100,000. Normally you would, to get under two seconds, zero to 60, you're talking a McLaren, which is well over, you were talking $2 million-ish normally to get a car that could achieve that feat. So um, I'm sharing this article uh, as it's the big, one of the biggest stories in the tech And check out today. the inside of the car. It's been redesigned. It's a redesigned S, right? So it's got a yeah. horizontal screen and uh, so neat inside. Uh, What's a, a guy got to do upgrade. to make a minivan version of this? Yeah, it's a gorgeous vehicle. And uh, to go, z by the way, if going zero to 60 in less than two seconds, you this sounds like I'm being hyperbolic here, but you could actually cause a concussion. That's like going in an actual rocket launching to the moon. Yeah, you have to be careful. It's like, that's a health warning. <laughs> It's literally bordering on dangerous physically to go from zero to 60 in two seconds. That's how fast that is. Kyler, um, yes. uh, Tyler and, uh, and Cal, I just wanted to comment on the um, BMW approach because a lot of people forget in perspective, Cal. I know you know very well, and Tyler, that there was an automotive called Carmen Fisker, which yep. was American until they were bought by the Chinese. Yep. And I'm I'm speculating completely that I think what Apple may do is a hybrid, um, which I've always postulated. Like, I don't think they'll go fully electric. Um, and that would just be a genius move for Apple to do a hybrid. And I think they've been tooling around, and that's just my speculation on that, where you're doing, you know, you're going to do fuel, and you just save both industries globally, politically, and it's mostly electric and uh, gas or, you know, 
Or oil based. That, that is uh, intuitively, Alice. That feels like going back uh, quite a lot. But hey, hang on one second. I just want to, Heidi. Are you are you there right now, Heidi? I'm uh, here. Yeah. Hi, Gal. You're into cars, aren't you? You're into cars. I just wanted to get your. Sorry, come back to that discussion, Alice, in a second. But oh Heidi, no, what, let what, her what, talk. What, no, what do you think about the uh, new uh, Tesla? Have you have you seen it? I know you're you're a car buff. Um, no, I'm not. Um, I'm not Northern California to be into Tesla. We're Southern California. We're more into Lamborghinis. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'll be. <laughs> that's probably right. <laughs> All right, LS, yeah, hybrid. Did you want to? I, 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 I no, be. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Heidi done shut me down. <laughs> I'm done. So that zero to, hey guys, that zero to 60 in two seconds Gabby is like is, roughly two Gs, Gabby, I think, or close to it. Gabby, Gabby's yep. in the car. Sorry, Chris. Gabby's in the cars as well. But, you know, this, these, these stats that they come up with, you have to doubt them sometimes because I'm, I'm not sure how these are calculated. If, if you're if they're if they're, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me sometimes. I mean, you've got all these new models coming out. It's always less than two seconds. It's always less than two point two seconds. I mean, do they account for real spin? I mean, some some of the engineers in this in this room, if, if they could comment on that, do they does it account for torque? Does it account for? I mean, there's a whole number of things to consider here because um, Tyler, you're so right. For less than two seconds, that's a concussion waiting to happen. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that, just, you, you, it's hard to imagine how fast that is until you realize it's on the brink of the physically dangerous. It, yeah, it's it's definitely over a G. It's like probably one and a half to two Gs. I'm trying to do the calculations, but it's, my kids are sleeping. And then um, from what I've read, the... You know, zero to 60 is a great number, but the real world is like five to 60. Um, and yeah. cars tend to be a little bit slower from five to 60 than their zero to 60 for some reason. So um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. That thing's bleedingly fast. I mean, uh, yeah. if you've ever been on like that Superman ride at uh, Magic Mountain or whatever, um, yeah. this thing's going faster than any any roller coaster off of a drop because the roller coaster is doing exactly one G, you know. Right from zero to yeah, gravity falling straight down. It's it's more intense than that. Yeah. Um, and Chris, so they, to Faraz's point. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say to Faraz's point. You. Oh, um, okay. Go ahead. Hold on one second. So I just wanted to thank um, Maria and Dave for sharing the Apple privacy video that they just released, uh, which I just tweeted from the Tech News Twitter account. It's a YouTube. Video Love that, that video. Can, yeah, and it's now you'll start to understand why Apple started a couple of years ago and now is really going headstrong into we are the privacy company. We, and this is like their mantra. Like I'm, I'm imagine they might start doing skywriting above Apple campus, like the home of privacy, because all of this data issues are going to become exponentially more important with all of this hacking and all of the governments and all of the, now they must understand the power of data and how they're going to want it. And so Apple is saying, you can trust us. You can trust us. You can trust us. Oh, by the way, you can't trust Google. I mean, that's essentially what they're saying. Oh, by the way, you can't trust Facebook. Because, (laughs) and we know that's what they're thinking. And that's the implicit message here. Because in their latest version of their iOS app that they just revealed two days ago that we all watched with our own damn eyes, Apple is now revealing something called transparency mode, a new feature that let exposes yep. for the first time ever to you, the Apple customer, which apps are using your data and precisely how they're using it. And they want you to fundamentally 
not only understand how your data is being used against you, but they want you to retaliate. They want to um, invigorate you to fight back because these uh, companies who are using your data in this way essentially are Apple's competitors now. And Apple is essentially turning this into a bit of a cold war uh, this, because of this issue of data, because Apple never really used your data in the way that these other companies have, because these other companies are ad networks, and these ad networks are built on your juicy, juicy data. And they look in their juicy, <laughs> sweet, juicy when they, data when they get your sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy data. <laughs> My, Michael, wake up. Michael, wake up. And then, but Apple is not an ad network. So they didn't use your data in this way. They are making money by selling you hardware. And they're not that concerned about your data ultimately. But now, right now, they act, we have indications. There have been headlines that indicate that they are building an ad network of their own. <clears throat> but it'll be interesting to see what kind of ad network they're building and how they use the data. But they could say, hey, we are a closed ecosystem. Your data never leaves Apple, ever. So we, as an Apple ecosystem, build our ad network in a way where your data is never shared with anybody outside of Apple. So <clears throat> it gets that gets very interesting indeed as a value proposition, which they can then use as a, to weaponize that point, as they are doing with this video that we just tweeted, privacy on iPhone, called Tracked. And the name of the video is Tracked, and it's all about Apple tracking transparency. And uh, watch the YouTube video and you'll see what I mean and why Apple is ranting and raving about why, so why data and privacy is so important. And that's why our special guest who's going to join us in the next session, six or seven hours from now, is uh, the CEO of a data company. And we're going to learn all about it. So I hope you can join us for that. Go ahead. Sorry, hey, Alex. Tyler. I, uh, I, I just woke up real quick to pee. I'm about to go back to sleep and I'll see you guys in the morning. But I wanted to okay. make sure you that you knew about and like someone had to have told you about the the room that got hacked earlier, right? No. Yeah, yeah Michael, I think I covered yeah. that. Um, that was the uh, AI room, Michael? Are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, we, we covered that earlier, Michael. Okay. Uh, this is LS. Yeah, it was it was crazy, but let's not go there. Yeah, that but, was wild. I just wanted to make no, sure. No, I know. It was, no, we, we did. I did earlier, Michael. Thanks, man. Um, but Michael, we did cover that. Remember the yeah, middle Cheryl. of night when you sleep? <laughs> yeah, okay. also, also when you when you pee. So you just said you're having a pee break. <laughs> Please, for the, for the right, benefit right, of right. 500 people. Now. I'll see y'all in the morning. Know, I'll friend. see y'all in six hours. Good night, everyone. See you later, man. Ciao. Good night. Um, who is there? Um, Sorry, who, no. who was saying that? Who oh, was Cal, there when was uh, John say... Legere was open mic with uh, taking a pee? Was anyone else there with? I was. There. Was anyone else I, there I, when he I, did that? Hang on. Heidi, okay, I was, Heidi's, Heidi's, I was Heidi's trying to say something. Dr. Heidi, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no! I just meant to say I didn't mean to be rude about Tesla. I actually truly don't know the new one. But one thing that, ironically, I'm actually in Cupertino right now, and um, I have to say, with Tesla moving and Apple planning to move, I think ten thousand employees to Texas, you you really see the effect on economy here. Like housing has become so much, I call it better. You know, like more houses available, prices are going down. Like. Um, combination of pandemic and these two, um, and I'm sure many more, these are the only two I know, um, moving out of um, Silicon Valley, it's like really loosened up the economy here, which is nice. Good to hear. <clears throat> so I, there's, um, Maria just sent me another related article from the Wall Street Journal that just came out uh, two days ago. 
that says Apple's moves to tighten flow of user data leaves advertisers anxious. And that's exactly right. And I'll, I'll let me rephrase that for you. Apple's moves to block Zuckerberg leaves him shitting himself uh, at, in his house. <laughs> that, that's the that's the translation for you. Let me tr let me translate that into geek speak for you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but you can read the head. I just tweeted the article and it's about uh, brands and ad tech firms say the tech giants push to limit how users are tracked will hurt business with some questioning privacy rationale. And Apple's going to laugh and say, yeah, well, it's our data. It's our devices. Uh, tough luck. Uh, go fuck yourself. And we're going to build our own network that doesn't violate our users' privacy. It's been fun, everybody. Um, thanks for playing. And it's our device. And now you know why Facebook announced yesterday their own smartwatch. Why? Well, because they're no longer going to have access to all that juicy, juicy, juicy data that they were getting from your phone. And they need their own device to get that juicy data. And they're, if they are not going to try making a smartphone again, they tried that in around 2010, and that didn't work out so well. And you're not going to replace your very much loved smartphone, Apple phone. And they know that. So they're going to build a smartwatch, and they're practically give it away, and they're going to pack it full of sensors to get all that juicy, 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 juicy data that they need to keep those ad networks going. And at the same time, they're going to pivot away from being dependent on an ad network that's dependent on data they no longer have access to into being an e-commerce powerhouse like Pinduoduo out of China, who magically combined the social media with e-commerce. And that was with the secret sauce that Facebook is perfectly, perfectly, perfectly positioned to do here in America. And they are quickly doing. And that's why Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg himself went on his own Facebook post to share precisely that on his own personal Facebook profile to say, we're now going to help all of these, you know, Facebook users monet not only monetize but make a living from their influence and their connections and the the social work of Facebook. And and they're right, and they can do that. And how, and we saw it yesterday in a headline from Instagram, where Instagram is now going to allow all of the influencers of Instagram match with all of the little e-commerce shops on Instagram. Say what now? You heard me correctly. Instagram is going to allow you to create little shops on Instagram. And you're thinking, well, I don't have any followers. If, if I let, uh, work with my parents to put their little flower shop on Instagram, we don't have any followers. And to that, I say, they got you covered, my friend, because what they're going to do is find all of the influencers who have all of the visibility and discoverability and match them with your little flower shop, which has no followers at all. And then that influencer is going to be encouraged to sell all kinds of products and services. And there's going to be a very smart algorithm that matches the influencers with the shop owners. And when the influencer does sell some flowers, they will get a little commission for driving that traffic to your rather invisible uh, little flower shop or shoe shop or cupcake shop or whatever it is. And that, my friends, is the future of e-commerce. And it's trillions of dollars. It's potentially even bigger than Facebook's dying ad network that no longer has the data they need from Apple and Google. So that now you understand the big, big game being played on that front. Simultaneously, they're diving into two other meta, huge trillion dollar industries, medical. And that race is between Amazon and Apple and Google, sorry, it's really Amazon and Google and Walmart in the US and now Tata in India. And then they're simultaneously going to jump into insurance eventually, which relates to medical. And then they're jumping into 
uh, the voice platforms and VR is the other massive industry and the autonomous vehicles and that the autonomous vehicle delivery network that's going to deliver every product and service that you when you buy those flowers from Instagram, how do they get to your house and everything else that everyone's buying online because people are going to buy everything online in the near future and who deliver all of those products and services and people is a race between Google and Tesla. And maybe Apple, that's why they just hired, just in the past hour, these announcements that they just hired BMW's head of electric and autonomous vehicles. So it looks like Apple's going to jump into this race. Clearly, Google's in the race. Clearly, Tesla's in the race. Clearly, Amazon's in the race. And now with Apple entering, it's going to be very interesting. And make no mistake, when these big, big tech companies go into these huge industries of medical and autonomous delivery vehicle networks, they are not going to let little startups compete. They are going to acquire them up like the little tiny ponies they are <clears throat> when they're born so they don't become unicorns. And that's where the regulators <laughs> come in and say, that, hey, that's not fair. And that's why you're seeing the EU and the UK and the US all, by the way, 24 hours ago, it was just revealed. And uh, Politico, the the political, the probably the best and most notable uh, political uh, publication, has claims they saw the five new bills that were just introduced in Congress specifically to address this issue of these huge tech companies sucking up all of the future potential competitors while they're still very embryonic. And the bills specifically address this issue. And that was 24 hours ago. So everything we are talking about is all happening in the past week, by the way. So this is all cutting edge shit that you will not really be able to connect all dots because due to the power of Clubhouse, we can sit in a room, connect all these dots together with all of the brain power and brain trust of these beautiful, sexy, wonderful people on stage. And if you wanna be a beautiful, sexy, wonderful, enlightened individual, you can do so too by simply clicking on the title of this room, following the Tech News Club, and you will be wealthy and handsome and gorgeous. You'll find the love of your life. You'll gain five IQ points. You might even grow a few inches. Some new in just news 90 company. days, in yeah. just 90 days, your results. Just, may vary. just look at some of the results. Look, yeah, look at look, Dave. <laughs> look at these beautiful people on stage. Some people are reporting uh, losing weight, by the way. Some people have, <laughs> some people have, have found the loves of their life. Some people are finding piles of money on the street. I mean, magic happens when you join the tech. No, they just club. walk around the street and there's money on the streets. Yeah, so it's just but that. your if results you may vary. If you. But, if you miss a day, there's side effects. Tyler, yes. why don't you Thank do you. the side effects? Thank you, Faraz. Yes, we must, of course, mention there are, of course, side effects. Uh, if you, uh, Cheryl, if you don't mind, can we show the before and after? Because this is very serious. Uh, actually, Cheryl had to step she, out. She may not be there, but 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 you basically lose your hair. You yeah, know? basically. I'll do it now. Do it okay. Now. So, <laughs> just so you can see the very unfortunate consequence that Florian and I have fallen victim to, we we've, we've realized there are, in fact, very serious uh, side effects. Um, it turns out, when you see my photo from 48 hours ago, go ahead and click on Cheryl's photo and refresh Consult your, your screen. physician before you enter into the 90-day program. Right. So click, click on Cheryl's photo. You'll see an update. That was me 48 hours ago. And I met uh, Tech News Around the World for two days, and my hair fell out. And so take that for so, what it yeah. is. But, but <laughs> res results, results may vary. Your results, results may vary. vary. And by the way, it's just want to caveat this. Yeah, don't, don't have these here. Apply. I got to do the Still, right thing. 
you know, results yeah. may Terms vary. Terms and right? conditions do apply, but don't let this happen <laughs> yes. to you. Hair okay? products. Let, let this be a warning to everybody. Don't miss tech news tomorrow. And don't let your goddamn hair fall out like it happened to me. It, it's a tragedy. Don't even, VJ don't got even laser eyes. Hang on, hang on. What'd you, what'd Fiona, Fiona commented. I, I just always love her. What'd you, oh, what'd you thank say? you. I just actually, the, the side about the shampoo, but um, the other thing is that I had to take a moment there. So I was one of the chosen ones, can you imagine it, by BMW to drive the Active E. I test drove it. And then I see that my fleet, I see my car now online, that it was crushed in May 23rd, 2014, because it had stalled it had fallen off the freeway it had mile, more than 17 uh times it was on a flatbed truck so good luck getting the same designer to work now for apple i just thought mm. i'd pitch that one okay. in even though my stress was causing me hair raising issues but it's not about the car <laughs> it's about the mind but fiona you pressed the yeah. button though didn't you you, pre you pressed the green button i'm sure you did right because you, you're looking good for it Oh, well, there you have it. But but I'm just remembering, actually, we're talking about the button. I remember my daughter pushing the button inside this first Active e-car in the parking lot of our charter school that we helped to collaboratively build out and called Ocean Charter in L.A. And the cops arrived. I had no idea that somebody could take over in 2013, take over your your life and have people show up because your daughter had pushed a button inside of the car. And look where we've come, you know? It takes us a lot to think about what what advances have we done. But most interesting was even at that time, there was somebody listening in your car. So who's listening in right now in Clubhouse? Cheers. Well, we, that Thanks. was our first article. It's the Indian uh, dog agencies. Um, and <laughs> to name just a few. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. then you, you've got to go over and see why Hacker One is one of my friend's best, best, best companies. Like mm -hmm. everybody needs to hire the right hackers to hack inside of their company. Yeah. But, um, one, oh, I'm so one second, LS. Hacker, uh, Hacker One, I'll, and I'll bring the Hacker One team in to talk about it. They've spoken at my events in the past. And, um, and then one of Hacker One's. Uh, third largest prize earner, Franz, who's considered one of the best hackers in the world because he's the third largest uh, earner on the HackerOne network and making millions of dollars a year on HackerOne. And what it is, is it's a, it's a, it's a platform. So you as a company can hire uh, hackers to do penetration testing on your site. And then, but when they do find something, a vulnerability, they will report it to you. And you can make a prize and say, you know, we're going to give a prize to whoever can find the most interesting vulnerability on our site. And these white hat hackers come in and they do penetration testing on your site, find vulnerabilities, report them to you. And whoever finds the most interesting vulnerability wins a very substantial prize. And that startup has done incredibly well. <clears throat> and then on this note, here's a headline that Poppy just found a few minutes ago that I just retweeted from the Tech News Twitter account at TNATW, uh, which are the first letters of tech news around the world. Check it out. It says, Sertive uh, Israeli cyber firm selling spy tech to Saudi Arabia. And this is being reported from within Israel on, on Herz, one of their leading publications, that the is Israel does make the best cybersecurity tech. Um, that's sort of a given in 2021. And they are 
selling it. Um, and they are, that's why there are so many unicorns coming out of Tel Aviv in 2021, because there's so much hacking going on around the world. And all of those companies who get hacked, like today, EA got hacked. And you better believe all of EA's, EA and all of their competitors are on the phone with Tel Aviv saying, God help us. <laughs> and we know you guys build the best solutions to this stuff. And how much do you want? Um, we need it right now. And so that's why you're seeing a lot of unicorns coming out of Tel Aviv, because they make the best uh, cybersecurity. So, but the fact that Saudi Arabia is um, buying cybersecurity from Israel becomes very interesting indeed. And that's why I just retweeted out that article. Thank you to Poppy for finding that one. And then, as we mentioned, uh, and I'll retweet this again, hackers stole a ton of data from EA today. And Poppy's sharing that one. And um, here's, a, here's a few more important articles that are just popping up that I just retweeted um, from the Tech News Twitter account. Big tech going, Tyler. hold on one second, please. Big, hold on one second, please. Big tech is going public in India. Companies such as e-commerce leader Flipkart and fintech giant Paytm are doing huge IPOs in India. And that is an incredibly positive sign for the Indian startup and investment ecosystem. And that will drive investors from all over the world now to take India very seriously and finally give it the respect and attention that it deserves. Go ahead. Was that Maria? Yeah, that was me. I just wanted to kind of comment on this, you know, whole privacy and advertising and the future of social commerce that I think both uh, you and I and also Dave are big fans of. Um, mm -hmm. And just wanted to say that in the end of the day, I think, um, well, advertising and privacy will still coexist. It's just that everything is going to move into contextual advertising. So it's I, I think the only kind of beef I have with those ads that Apple has uh, this ad that Apple has launched is that it it uh, portrays the future of privacy as if there was like no advertising to you know the end user and it's not true that's the, that's the only thing that is just going to be a bit more it was based on a bit more generic data but the data is still going to be collected in some sense and I think a lot of people just don't understand what data is collected anyway via the SDKs the apps. So that's that. But actually, there's one other thing that I was thinking about is that uh, the future is very interesting. If like with this like no code coding is going to become very um, easy to use for people, then everyone actually will end up having their own app. And in the end, it's very interesting what's going to happen to the distribution of signals. And and I think maybe Michelle has more to say about that, like with what Facebook is doing with their new product. But I think what's what's changing right now from this like centric world where we had all the data uh, from actually the identifier from Apple to now just the distribution channels um, being a little bit more granular. And, um, and it's just gonna be more difficult, but, um, but maybe also more interesting. Indeed. Yeah, just to maybe quickly um, add to that, Maria, this is Michelle speaking. I, yep. I just wanted to say that I think what's gonna be interesting in this whole ad ecosystem changing is that it may actually make the the dominant even stronger given That's that right. if you're a small app owner how do you actually grow your app when you can't efficiently reach people who have the intention to maybe use your app and that's why you may actually have to develop your own mini ecosystem within those larger ecosystem you know for yeah. instance building your shops on Facebook or Instagram and never leaving those wall garden because within those wall garden, you're able to efficiently reach people at the lower cost. So I, I think people don't necessarily look at that side of things. And by the way, not having uh, 
opting out doesn't mean you stop seeing ads. You still see ads, except that they're not personalized. That's yeah, that's yeah. the only difference. Yeah, I think oh, I think but... specifically in gaming, we also talk a lot about like you know the future of like really entrepreneurship. That um, exactly everyone will have to enter a walled garden that is already there and is big and like the kind of you know the spirit of of uh, bootstrapping and being a small startup in the like app ecosystem is really being um uh endangered in that sense right and then this this is why i mean it's great to have tools like from that facebook is doing and google with stripe and all of that but actually it means that you are enabled to really build your own platform that is like meaningful and like really at scale and you really need to initially go and only work with someone who's like really big already to get some visibility. So to dovetail on the social commerce piece, not necessarily from the app developer standpoint, but there was an article in today's Bangkok Post that um, said that Visa is partnering with a local e-payment startup that will work across the social platform. So Line, which is what a lot of Thai people and businesses use, Insta, Facebook, WhatsApp, um, YouTube, to facilitate their social commerce um, purchases and transactions. And then embedded in that article, there was a study conducted that 77% of people in Thailand use QR codes at least once per week to make transactions. So, so I think we're going to see, um, a, you know, a facilitation of those processes as small and medium-sized um, companies, you know, continue to grow their presence in social media platforms and commerce. Well, also, Lakeisha, Apple Clips are all about that, right? All about the location um, of your business and your ability to use Apple Clips. So another ad format that they have with um, like an NFT code and then uh, NFC code, I think, sorry. Um, so so probably yeah, QR codes are also going to come back there. Yep. And if I can add, um, this is just LS on this point, but I was going to cover another point, but I'll skip that because this is my space. For the small business and Michelle, decentralization, um, MasterCard just announced something yesterday that they're helping to fund Africa through their foundation, the executive chairman, um, that I think what we're going to see is a decentralization, almost like blockchain and Bitcoin. I, I've said this before, but Facebook won't go away. It'll be sort of a hybrid between the two. And um, you'll see like local small businesses and Tyler and Cal, we talked about this in the past, but you're going to see local become the new global. And they'll build their own ecosystem, similar to crowdfunding. Like people wouldn't have never thought that. It's more in the U.S. Like raise fund, fund and rouse, you know, fundraising, etc., um, and donations. You're going to see this movement where smaller communities and local communities will have that sort of foothold, but then it will scale, and they will need bigger platforms to connect with and partner with to scale. But it won't be the reverse where they just go to them and advertise completely for them. That's what I see coming. Just to maybe quickly um, clarify, because um, the, the the reality is that today, um, I mean, it's actually the bigger pool of data that makes it more powerful. So, and you won't be able to send people to a website and actually understand who made a purchase. And this is, Google is also going to make the sim similar changes by, uh, by next year. So that's the point I'm trying to make today. Technically, if you have a website and you're sending traffic to your website or trying to grow your business, it will be increasingly difficult. So I do understand the decentralization, but I mean, more specifically, if you have 1 million users, 
um, leveraging existing those platforms data to empower that through machine learning actually makes it more efficient from a business standpoint. So I think that's what's going to become challenging. And I'm talking about something happening now, and I'm sure in the future we'll see some blockchain implementation, but I don't picture how that will help a business decrease their cost by 100% when this time oh, scale in 10 countries, for instance. No. Michelle, quickly, I'm, I'm only talking local, and I'm talking about a mobile app maker with AI and machine learning, which is something I'm building, full disclosure. And my team can do it, and we're already executing it. But what you're talking about is I'm talking about micro data, not macro data or metadata for them and their customer base and then adding new acquisitions because most local businesses will only go in a 10 mile location of where they're at. And this has been proven and that's what I'm focused on. And that's what I was specifically speaking about. I'm not talking about horizontal, but specifically narrow vertical data points. And that will be an opt in for the app provider, that business owner and their customers, which it, it almost goes back 20 years ago, which businesses would always know who your cleaners was, they know what your clothes, they knew your data, they just didn't have it in metabytes, you know, or zeros and ones, but they knew exactly everything I wanted to buy, what I knew, what I, my clothes clean, all of that. That's what I'm saying. I think it would be more tangible seeing an implementation of that in action actually working, but it, it sounds interesting. So on the topic of um, buying, um, that, that's the key word here because that's a lot of what it ultimately all this data comes down to is what you're going to buy because that's where the data turns into cash and dollars by the way <laughs> they're not interested in this data just for data sakes by the way they're interested in that that juicy juicy dollars that it translates into eventually um there's actually a, a super interesting headline that just broke here it's kind of breaking news netflix which you've no doubt heard of and shopping say what yeah you heard me correctly Online store offers limited edition merchandise. Netflix will launch an online store to sell limited edition apparel, lifestyle merchandise, and collectibles based on Stranger Things, Lupin, and its other popular shows, the streaming giant said on Thursday. And guess who's powering this store, y'all? GameStop. Is it Shopify? Shopify. <laughs> it's Shopify, y'all. So if you've been following here and you, um, you might have made your own decision to buy a bunch of Shopify stock because you understand that all of these platforms that have eyeballs are going to start selling shit and they're going to use Shopify to do that. You were correct. <laughs> and Netflix just announced they've just partnered with Shopify so they can translate all of that juicy, juicy eyeballs into juicy, juicy money. So now when you go to Netflix and you watch a show, it'll be like, oh, you like that show? Why don't you buy the merch from that show? Get a t-shirt, get a mug, whatever the hell. Uh, maybe even the actors in the show had some products or services as part of the show you can now buy after the show. And uh, that, my friends, is the future of what we're calling social commerce. And that's why it's such a big deal. And Shopify, more than others, is the enabler of this. And that's why you might want to think about Shopify as a company that might be growing a lot in the near future. Um, so, so what do we see? What do we see as the last mile, like an Uber or something like this? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> if the golden age of uh, social commerce is coming to an end, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, Shopify is just killing it. No, and, no, I, I was actually being very serious this time. I know I'm using the joke. No, I was like, well, I was at, it's like, it's not going to be UPS, right? Like, you're not shipping things, so. Uh-huh. Is it is well, this... it like someone coming to pick it up, or you're driving it over, or drones, yeah. Chris? It's drones. Yeah. Well, it, he's right. It'll be some combination of uh, a via, an autonomous vehicle 
drones or some robots with wheels, you know, driving on the sidewalks, depending on how far you are from the source of the thing you just purchased on Netflix. And what's interesting about Shopify is it connects to all the small mom and pop shops all over the planet. Anyone can sell anything on Shopify, unlike Amazon, which is exclusive to kind of more professional class uh, sellers. Shopify is everything in your town and all the towns around you. So you probably will could have it delivered by a drone from somebody within your own town or the town next to you. Uh, very interesting indeed uh, that Netflix has now partnered with Shopify to enable social shop. Uh, I just tweeted this article out. I want to make sure that I did because, by the way, I told you so. I've been telling you so for about three months now that this was coming, and here it is. Now it's Netflix. Who's next? By the way, this well, is a big deal. Tyler, this is yeah. big deal evidence of your hypothesis because yeah. just, uh, uh, you know, just because this is now a direct connection to, to content creation because that's what, that's what Netflix is. It's all content that somebody has created, right? And you've seen a direct connection now. Um, so that, that hypothesis, that, 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 that thesis, if you like, is just yeah. totally playing so what, out. So Cal is confirming, and anyone on stage who's joined us every day can confirm. I've been saying for damn near three months now that Netflix was going to do this. And not, not just Netflix, all the social media platforms, all of them, anyone who's got eyeballs, Tinder is going to start selling shit. Everyone who has eyeballs is now going to partner with Shopify to make e-commerce to sell you stuff. And in fact, it's only a matter of time before we start selling you tech news around the world coffee mugs powered by Shopify. That's And you're going to see now, a partnership. Woo, woo. Between. Tyler, Tyler, question here. So when will, the, when will there be a moment when I can monetize my eyeballs, my attention on something? As that, a, could be, that could be solved. <laughs> but if, you, me, can, you can, you can already. You yeah, can already. Finish. Tyler, remember the robot cafe in Tokyo? The disabled yeah. people are using their eyeballs to work. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, That's a great example. Not. They yeah. could potentially monetize that. You, could, Florian, if you want to operate a robot in a Tokyo robot cafe, and you might work for tips in that cafe unless they start paying you hourly or something like that. Um, but the Clubhouse itself is very interesting and relates directly to this story about Netflix and Shopify. Why? Because Netflix has lots of shows. It's content, just like YouTube and just like TikTok. Now, it, Netflix um, has the shows. And by the way, Netflix is trying to now, they've got what they call long form content, 30 minute plus content that people are binge watching. And they also want to start doing short form content, like little YouTube videos, two minute videos. And they even want to start doing 30 second videos, which is TikTok, because TikTok's exploding as well. And by the way, YouTube is also starting to add TikTok content. And they are right now. I, you probably have noticed in the last week, they now have this new little carousel of little 30-second clips. Facebook is doing it as well. They all realize that TikTok is exploding. And TikTok is also partnering with e-commerce to enable the content creators on TikTok to start selling shit, just like Instagram influencers are, right? So you see where this is going. Now, hold on. Back to Netflix. Where does Clubhouse fit into this? Well, glad you asked. Netflix has a whole bunch of shows. Spotify has a whole bunch of artists. What if Netflix had, at the end of the show, a room, and there was a room, join the conversation about this show you just watched, and it's a room of a thousand people who are all fans of that show talking about what just happened in that episode. 
And what if Clubhouse did a partnership with Netflix where the Netflix app, next time you open the Netflix app on your phone, there's the show. And then under the show, there's the Clubhouse room to talk about the show. And you could sit in there and talk for days and days and days until the next episode comes along and people are talking about episode one and episode two and episode three. And every show in all of Netflix and every movie in all of Netflix would have its own clubhouse room for people to talk about their favorite documentary they just watched and everything else. It would actually be, I think, completely additive to Netflix. And if that room is created and is shown in the Netflix app, why not also show it in the clubhouse hallway as well? So it's just one of the thousands of rooms that you could dive into in Clubhouse. You don't actually need to be in Netflix to do it. And what if the NFL also did this and every NFL game that was coming up tomorrow or that was happening in real time or just happened also had a room for that? And what if every Disney movie in the Disney Plus app had their own rooms and on and on and on and on and on? So you can see how whoever, if Clubhouse understands this amazing business development opportunity, Clubhouse will become incredibly powerful. However, Twitter obviously understands this opportunity, and the issue is who's going to open up their APIs to enable this? Because yesterday, Twitter Spaces team and I and um, Pierre from Club Deck were in that room with them, and they were talking all about their APIs and how their APIs can be used by other apps to bring Twitter Spaces to other third-party apps. I'm praying and hoping the Clubhouse team is listening and is building APIs to allow third-party apps like Netflix like Disney Plus, like the NFL, any app that has lots of eyeballs to uh, create rooms in those apps that could then also be shown in the hallway. So now you understand how Clubhouse would tend to this. But by the way, Clubhouse being eyeballs, more like earballs, could also do a kind of e-commerce situation. And I could have a match just like the Instagram influencers and TikTok influencers who are going to be matched with shops that are selling stuff from everywhere. I could be promoting all kinds of products and services in real time. And we could make a Shopify shop in the next hour and start selling Tech News Around the World merch, t-shirts and hats and coffee mugs and whatever you want, which we probably should do because I would love a Tech News Around the World coffee cup my damn self. So, um, <laughs> and t-shirts just... signed by Dave. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pay for this. Yes, <laughs> yes. Do you know, in the you know, shower the other day. What, what a biblical confess. scripture, Dave. <laughs> I, have to, I have to confess, in the shower the other day, I thought I'd really like a really nice fitted black T-shirt with everyone's like little face on the, on the back of it. I think it would be just so cool. Anyway, that's the best you can come up with, Dave. <laughs> speaking, I'm speaking sure the creativity of, uh, of Just a quick is... question, Tyler. This is Michelle yes, speaking. Um, yeah. um, why would you, what's in it for, let's say, Netflix to open their API for things like Clubhouse? So the content could be, let's say, they now start having rooms on Netflix. Why should they do that? Because then you've got your audience in your Netflix app staying long after they've watched the show, staying for hours to talk about the show and just driving uh, fanism about that show. I think it would enrich okay. the fans. I thought, it was, um, I thought it was already taken into account that they probably moving into the audio space as well. I shared a yep. picture earlier. They yeah, hired me out of audio. I see so what you did, Michelle. What's you, interesting you, you, is why would they do that? You sneaky little fox, Michelle. Now, Michelle, no. this little uh, lady, Michelle, here on stage, just DM'd me the job posting that Netflix just put up for a head of audio, y'all. Hello. Well done. <laughs> well done, Michelle. I will retweet it out jobs.netflix.com hiring for a head of audio 
And by the way, what if those little clubhouse rooms about those Netflix shows, what if Netflix got the stars of those shows to come into those rooms? Oh, hello. Did somebody say cash register? <laughs> Did somebody say money falling from the sky? Yes, the Netflix, the cast and crew of those Netflix shows can jump into those audio rooms, those clubhouse rooms with those fans who are hanging out there all day long. And now you just got a glimpse of the future of content and commerce, my friend. You're very welcome. It's called Tech News Around the World. And we, we meet here twice a day, every day, Monday to Friday. Just click on the title of the room to see the schedule. Click the follow the club, but only if you want to be handsome and beautiful and successful, wealthy and happy. If you don't want those things, but then please do not click to join the Tech News Club because success and wealth is in your future. And if you don't want that, that's fine. Um, many people do not. There are you, might in the, you might in the future get a t-shirt with everyone's faces on it, signed by Dave and designed by Dave. <laughs> I know, what, a, a, what a perk. It's, it's and we, 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 might, we might do it as an NFT even because here's a headline from Reuters.com that I uh, just retweeted. Crypt, uh, there was an NFT that just sold of a little photo, a tiny little crazy little piece of art uh, it looks like a child's drawing, and it just, just sold for about $12 million. What am I talking about? It's called the CryptoPunk. What are the CryptoPunks? The CryptoPunks were the first legitimate uh, uh, augment, uh, AI-generated art series that was put on the blockchain in the form of NFTs on, on the Ethereum chain. If I recall correctly, I think it's on Ethereum. Some may will correct me. But the CryptoPunks um, are these cute little aliens, and there's a limited number of them. I think there's 10,000 of them, if I'm correct, or 1,000, something like that, 10,000. And there's 10,000 of them, and people were buying them originally for pennies and, es and essentially for free originally. And now one of these 10,000 CryptoPunks just sold for $12 million, which means pretty much all of them, all 10,000 of them are probably worth about 10, 000, uh, $12 million each. So for those very fortunate 10,000 people who got those very early CryptoPunk um, um, AI-generated little alien characters that were minted on the blockchain, which means they are limited edition, they can't really be replicated, they're trackable, they're known who owns each of these 10,000. Uh, and now somebody sold one of their CryptoPunks on Sotheby's for $11.8 million. Holy cow, y'all. That's a really interesting... Um, uh, validation for the future of AI generated art and for NFTs as a system for selling art. It's truly remarkable. That is indeed also part of the, a very interesting part of content and the future of content. Um, Tyler, yes? the yes? thing is that we could actually call that the cyberpunk coin because if Correct. You know that there are 10,000 yes. 10, of them, yeah. uh, uh, that is really staggering. Yes, it is very staggering. Um, yeah, it's a derivative off of the cyberpunks from the uh, tech side. And it was yeah. done uh, in crypto. I, I don't want to say because, well, it was done a while ago, much, much later than what's being reported right now, several years ago. I'll say that. Um, and it, it's interesting how it's taken off now as NFTs. So a couple headlines like I need to jump through yeah, real quickly. Yeah, I have, I have a, really, a really important one that we really need to get out. Go ahead. Uh, I, I posted uh, the register. Apparently, there is an old bug in the Linux kernel that has been patched now. And this is something called the policy kit. 
the polkit is the one that actually yeah. looks if a user on a Linux system needs escalation not. or not. Johan, Johan, for the one yeah. person in this room of 600 people, they know what, exactly what you mean and they're already <laughs> on the case. <laughs> no. But this is tech news, really yeah. tech. It is. And the one person who's using Linux in this room is, is, is just as excited as you are, and they know what you mean when you said that headline. And for the other 553 people in this room who have no idea what you're talking about, we're just going to move right along because the one person who got your message and they took it to heart and they are racing to patch that uh, vulnerability as we speak. Uh, Apple says it, its new logon tech is uh, easy as passwords but far more secure with what they call pass keys in iCloud Keychain, the iPhone maker joins Microsoft and Google in advocating for passwordless authentication. And that's a lot of gobbledygook, and let me unpack it for my mom in the room. What this means is Google and Apple and Microsoft are trying to get rid of passwords. It's as simple as that. They hate them because the passwords get hacked and they get shared on the dark web and the hackers get these and then hack the goddamn colonial pipeline because that's actually what happened. It turns out that the colonial pipeline wasn't really a hack. It was that the passwords uh, were on the what we call the dark web, where the hackers share databases of passwords they've got access to. And that's very dangerous. Why? Because if you reuse your password for multiple websites, say you use the same password like I love kitties for Clubhouse, and then you use it again for Twitter. Well, we can then assume you might use it for your bank. So if we see that you've used a password for Clubhouse and Twitter, we're going to run and try the, the five. We see you're American. We go to the five big American banks and we try that password with your same email address. Bada boom, bada bing. Thank you for all of your money. Right. Don't do that. Don't reuse passwords. I just explained to you why Apple and Google and Microsoft understand how incredibly important this is. And they know that people are stupid. And they know that even though we scream and jump up and down all day long and say, don't do this, people are still going to do this and use one, two, three, four, five, six, seven as their password. By the way, sorry, I didn't mean to leak your password. By the way, that's about 30% of all passwords are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, just to show you how stupid people are. So, and that's a fact that's been mathematically proven over and over and over again. When, when hackers get these uh, databases of passwords, uh, some very good percentage of the passwords are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, by the way, are one, two, three, four, five, the, six, or one, two, three, four. So Apple. When we now, do that, though, Tyler, we operate yep. under the assumption that no one would ever guess that we would be that dumb to do it. <laughs> yes, spy versus spy, right? <laughs> um, so Apple uh, now has come up with their new genius solution to your stupidity problem, and they call it passkeys. And how it works is um, they demo it. So now you don't use passwords at all. You simply only use your face and just your face. No passwords needed. Google's trying to come up with solutions as well where you don't use passwords at all. You just get a code sent to your phone that you click, I verify. It's me on my hardware, my separate device, separate from the website I'm logging into. And um, all, all Google and Apple and Microsoft are trying to get rid of passwords. There's also a little hardware key that is becoming incredibly popular called YubiKey based out of Stockholm, which Google is partnered with to every Google employee is using it now. And um, that's interesting. That's, that is, by the way, the best solution when you have an actual hardware key, like a physical key, like you put in your door of your house. Uh, people don't tend to lose those. So um, 
if you have a physical key that you plug into your phone or to your laptop, it's like a USB-C key or in the even work now over Bluetooth. So you don't even have to plug it in, although that can be hacked. So be careful. And that's just a huge development that is going to you're going to start seeing more and more and more of that as weeks and days go by. So I retweeted that another huge trend that is on the horizon that you need to know about now that no one else is really talking about, but needs to be talked about and will be talked about. And you likely will appear as a porn star in an upcoming video. That's why we need to talk about it now. It's called the double exploitation of deep fake porn. Discussions around deep fakes have focused on the political danger, but revenge porn, as it's called, and IP theft are the more pressing threats. We just tweeted this out. Thank you to whoever tweeted it in. And read this article because if your your face can be put very easily now on the body of any porn star, and then it looks like you are naked on the internet. And people can not only, as we go into VR porn, now your face is put on the body of a VR porn star and people are having sex with you in VR. So you can understand how concerning this is and people don't know what to do about it yet, but read the article that we just tweeted out about the double exploitation of deep fake porn. Because deep fakes are, you can make Obama say anything you want him to say, or there's videos you've seen Tom Cruise saying all kinds of crazy stuff that it's it, it looks exactly like Tom Cruise. These videos are now becoming impossible to differentiate between if it's Tom Cruise or not. Is it a deep fake of Tom Cruise or is it the real Tom Cruise? Or is, it, is that really Donald Trump saying, you know, he, um, you know, crazy stuff? Or is it the real Donald? It's hard. It's the reality is blurring. And in the very, very near future, you will not be able to tell the difference if it's fake or real or not. And that gets incredibly troubling when you apply it to porn. So, um, yeah, the the, com the 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 powerful combination of deep fakes and revenge porn. Revenge porn is your uh, people who hate you taking your photos and make and um, or finding photos about you when you're naked, and then it makes your deep fake porn even ten times more realistic because they actually have photos of your body in a bikini or whatever. It gets very crazy indeed. So that's a that issue is going to become huge in weeks and months to come. So just touching on that quickly now. And another issue that is exploding at the moment is these issues of these drones and the militarization of drones and how drones are now being used in military capacities and how uh, they are very cheap. They can now, it's now been reported that they have, we've now seen the first potential case of a drone killing some, being used to kill somebody in a military kind of um, campaign in Libya where you can attach uh, weapons to drones. You might even use nerve agents or poisons on drones. And they even have little drones the size of bumblebees that can be used in this capacity. And that's very concerning because of uh, places in the world where there are border conflicts, where you have um, resource-strapped uh, uh, aggressive behaviors like Hamas, and they could use these drones in, in very nefarious um dystopian ways that would be truly uh, mind-blowing. And so the article that we just tweeted out from Wired, which I love Wired, by the way, Wired has a video uh, where you can watch a drone swarm, meaning a group of drones, fly through a fake forest without crashing into anything. Because these drones have these AIs that are incredibly intelligent, and they have collision detection, and they can fly fast and furious through a crowd of people without bumping into any of them. And they do have, as, as uh, Sid 
uh, no, not Sid, as Sal informed us, there are processors on these drones. This is happening. This is real. They have facial detection capability on these drones. So you could have a very tiny drone with nerve agents that uh, Navalny knows a whole lot about. Uh, and any Putin uh, critic is very well aware of these nerve agents uh, that can put people out very easily. And you could get a bumblebee-sized drone with nerve agents, with facial detection, with collision detection, and send it through a crowd of people, an, an actual real crowd of walking people in any city. And it could use the facial detection and take out anybody like that willy-nilly. And now we have a very real threat where anybody can be taken out for less than $1,000 and a little bit of homemade technology. So watch the video uh, that we just tweeted out from Wired of a drone swarm flying through a fake forest without crashing to highlight the collision detection algorithms. And just keep in mind, they also have facial recognition algorithms and they also have the ability to become weaponized. So that's a concerning trend that no doubt you'll be hearing more about in the weeks and months to come. A quick few other headlines, because we have three minutes before our friend Florian kicks off his room. Um, vertical win for American and something called Avalon. Um, it's a company has raised $4 billion in pre-orders for their EVTOL aircraft. And why is that so interesting? Because it's uh, a vertical aerospace, the developer of, of an electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. And they just received an incredibly huge order from American Airlines, which is an incredibly huge, uh, one of America's, probably America's largest aircraft uh, uh, airline, has ordered um, uh, a whole lot of these full electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. And why is that important? Well, because then you don't need traditional runways. And what does that mean? That means you're going to have a lot more airports popping up all over the place because building in airports is very uh, expensive in terms of real estate, etc. due to the long runways. But if you're using vertical takeoff and landing vehicles and electric aircraft, that's a game changer. So we retweeted that out and you can do the deep dive on that. And that's very interesting indeed. It looks like we will have those in our near in our lifetime and in the near future. Just and just again, watch just watch the job listings in the L.A. area. There's all these jobs for head of engineering for vertical takeoff um, for Kia, for Hyundai. I mean. I'm seeing it on my LinkedIn and stuff, so it's it's coming. That's why I thought, uh, you know, a couple months ago that Apple was going to have a flying car. That was really out of nowhere. But when you see all the ads, when you hear that Apple and Hyundai were, you know, talking really seriously, um, that's kind of obviously the future. It's just uh, crazy. We're going to see it like in our lifetime, like you say. Uh huh. Well, by the way, there's uh, kind of troubling news. Well, the water levels are now dropping in the south, southwestern U.S. to unprecedented levels. It's being reported by NBC News, America's biggest news outlet, that Lake Mead's water levels dropped to lowest point in history. Declining water levels in the nation's largest reservoir are, to, are the result of the ongoing drought and growing water demands across southwestern U.S. And this is and there's a, a time lapse a really amazing multi-year time-lapse video of Lake Mead and how it's now becoming dry. And that's going to become a huge problem for the habitability of the Southwest of America. As I've warned previously in Tech News Around the World, we are entering the age of what's called water stress. And this is very real. And it's why I'm in Thailand. Hello from my tropical island paradise, um, because I'm very well aware of what's coming. And I'm warning you as my friends and family that this thing called water stress is going to change your life in a very fundamental way in the next five to 10 years. 
get ready. Here's what it is. Water, Google the words water stress map and you will see what parts of the world will become uninhabitable in the next five to 10 years and will cause a migration of about 50 million people in the next five to 10 years. And for context, 1 million people leaving Syria into Europe brought uh, Europe to its knees politically. And watch what happens when 50 times that number of people are going to be moving in the next five to 10 years due to water shortages all over the, the world, India as well. So watch the map that's called water stress map. Uh, you're going to have places on the planet are going to very soon become uninhabitable, just like the southwest of the U.S. due to the, the unprecedented drying of Lake Mead. So we tweeted that article out. And now you know why the next article from Toyota says Toyota establishes Toyota Ventures Climate Fund, accelerating efforts to achieve carbon neutrality and all kinds of money is going into impact investing to reduce the CO2 in the atmosphere. It's why Tesla is doing what it's doing. That's why Tesla is uh, Toyota is announcing today the Toyota Ventures Climate Fund to of $150 million to help fund new solutions to get us out of this shitstorm we have found ourselves in of uh, this water stress, which is really the first- great, great segue for the next room, Tyler, by the way. Indeed, exactly, uh, yeah, in not, impact investment. Not a coincidence, and, and, Florian. And not my first coincidence. <laughs> You're too smart. Not, not my first rodeo, Florian. <laughs> The sequencing was I know what you're, I'm opening the room. So, yeah, so Florian's opening the room now all about this topic. It's critically important. Please join us in Florian's room, which is now one minute past the top of the hour. He's one minute late in opening the room. It'll open right now. We're all going to head over there and talk about the big shit storm we have found ourselves in. Water stress is the first real terrible impact we are going to feel as a result of climate change. The other will be the rising oceans. That's secondary. The water stress is going to be far more impactful in the short term. The water rising is no trivial thing either. That's going to also cause lots of migration, um, climate-related uh, migration. But the water stress is the one that's going to just rock people in the very near term, really in the next few years. It's already, in fact, it's already starting. And in fact, the Syria is attributed in large part to the lack of water, the drought that was happening in Syria. That uh, the domino effects of that uh, has had a rather strong impact for a lot of people, and the Europeans know exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, join us in Florian's room, which he should have open in the next one second. Do follow the Tech News Club. Do thank everybody on stage for the con fantastic contributions today. It was a lot of fun as usual, and hopefully, see you in the next session where we will have a data. Uh, company CEO join us to help us get, go even deeper into the, all of the importance of all of the data stuff that's happening all around the world and um, see you soon and have a wonderful